I really do think that even Rush Hour is, even though it's a comedy, maybe it's not supposed to be taken seriously. I definitely took it very seriously as a kid because that was the only representation that I had to see both my communities because it represented what my family was. We joke and, and we clown each other, but it's all love. And we'll be the first to call something out if it's, okay, you cross the line there, but I love you. You know what I mean? You're listening to Strong Asian Lee, a podcast platform for Asians across the diaspora to share their stories about what it means to be an Asian creative in the entertainment industry. Throughout this podcast, you'll hear me and my guests have deep discussions about the industry, the paths they forge, and their unique experiences on and off the film set. I'm your host, David Masami Moria. Thank you for tuning in. Our mission as Strong Asian Lead is to amplify the creative power of the Asian entertainment diaspora, create space for artists to tell their stories, and provide resources to support emerging artists in their careers. Hey, 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 welcome back to Strong Asian Lead. This week on the podcast, we have Ryan Alexander Holmes. If you don't already know who Ryan is, he's an actor and content creator who's been on shows like Dear White People and For the People. His Instagram page is filled with clips of him really bringing out his Blasian identity. Blasian, Black and Asian, Afro-Asian, whichever way you identify with that. But what I love about his content on Instagram is that it really brings in that nuanced conversation of being Black and Asian. Because I don't think we have that conversation enough due to general colorism, the lack of knowledge and lack of interest and, and exposure to Black and Asian people and Black and Asian couples. I think it's a really important conversation to have of what that means. And when we talk about that in the industry, to say that somebody is not Asian enough or, or question their Asian identity, that's so demeaning because obviously he is Asian. He's got family who is Asian. Anybody who has Asian background, like you're welcome to the barbecue, you know? So I won't get too far into it. I think we should really talk to Ryan about what his perspective on the identity is and how he sees himself and how the world sees him, how the entertainment industry sees him. And I think that's really important. So let's get right into our interview. Dude, it's so nice to meet you finally. I feel like I've seen you on Instagram so much. Um, your content is just hilarious. I scroll through and I'm like, oh, I got to watch this one because it's so on point. It's so much fun. Um, so I'm so glad to meet you. Uh, Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, same for you, man. Nice to meet you. I've seen you um, in the work that you do. I think I talked to you on uh, Clubhouse, right? That's the first time we like talked. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah man. It's, that was it's months good to, back. Yeah, it was months back. It's good to to. We still haven't like I we still haven't met in person, but this is like as close as we can get for now. And it feels like meeting in person because like this is how I've been meeting people for the past years. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it's just like when's it going to end like this? But yeah, who yeah. knows? I feel like it's just a norm now, which is cool, but also yeah. just like annoying. <laughs> the introvert in me is like, I hope, I hope this stays. You know, it's like like we get this and we get the other thing too. You know? Yeah, I just want a hybrid, right? I love having like the general meetings with managers and stuff like that, just on Zooms. So I don't have to go to get a coffee and don't yes. worry about that. Worry about parking, parking, <laughs> and like but, traffic. Oh my god, auditions are awesome too. Like as an actor, like I don't want to go. I don't want to drive to Santa Monica from Pasadena. Oh my god, I don't want to put 
shoes or pants on like yeah <laughs> just for three minutes for a, like a three minute audition maybe even less like auditions take less time than that sometimes you drive all the way out there for three minutes whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and wait in line yeah right? and wait in line with all the other actors in that awkward rating room where no one's talking and everyone's like nervous oh my god no thanks yeah so uh you're in la right yeah 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 which which part of the town are you in i'm in i'm actually in alhambra uh mm-hmm. which is like right under where i grew up i grew up in south pasadena san marino area sgv right. sgv uh yeah that's the yeah. spot out there mm-hmm. okay yeah. yeah i grew up i'm in k-town now but i grew up in the uh, inland empire so you know, oh Ontario. the IE, baby yeah I, I lived on the outskirts i lived in rolling heights for three or four years that's where my grandma that's where my grandma's house is yeah, we played marching band over in Roland, Roland High School. Oh, snap. <laughs> we do that competition. What instrument did you play? Days. I played trombone. Like, nice. Nice. <laughs> Damn, dude. The... Yeah. It was good. I was first chair. <laughs> I had That's to make awesome. it happen. That's awesome. It was fun times, man. Um, yeah, so I'd love for, uh, you know, I know you enough, but I'd love to hear uh, your intro. Uh, I know you're an actor out here. You've done, uh, been on other shows, Dear White People. Um, was it for for the people for the people all the people um, shows yeah i think that's really cool um but i'd love to hear uh, some of your intro and how you uh, identify as your your blazing your blazing identity and generations um you know what you know tell me tell me introduce yourself man uh i'm i'm ryan alexander holmes i'm an actor a proud afro-asian american I'm, I'm black and chinese my my father is from the south my um my mother is from Taiwan, and uh, I think I'm a, I'm a content creator too. And I think this past year made me one in a way that I never thought that I could be before, in terms of telling my truth and telling my experience, because I really had to reach down deep. And I think quarantine allowed me to do that because I was spending a lot of time just reflecting with myself and how I wanted to navigate in this industry, this entertainment industry, because there was, there was no auditions. The industry shut down completely. There's no audition. So I'm like, okay, as an artist, who am I? And so I reached down into understanding who I am in, in terms of my identity and how the world has sort of seen me and how I felt constricted to act a certain way because of that and combating that. Yeah, I think that's what drew me into your your account and you in general. Just like you were so honest with it, and I had never heard the perspective. I don't see a lot of content being built around uh, the Blasian identity. Just feeling so um, like proud of it, and also just speaking about both sides like constantly. And I think that's um, you know a unique perspective only someone like yourself can to put upon, uh, and then to create use that as as content you know put that on social media put that out stuff into the world um for people know learn listen and also enjoy um because i think that's that we need to see more of that so you know what was your process about um coming into that identity you said you had to deep, reach deep and down and what what were what was that like i mean <clears throat> to be honest it came from from pain honestly emotional psychological uh sort of watching George Floyd be murdered in HD. If I'm being honest, that's what really, and, and, and having no one to really be in a physical proximity to sort of 
uh, debrief about those feelings that brought it brought up in me. You know, here is a man being literally murdered by the police, by people who are supposed to protect us. Right. And then to see the blowback from my own age community. Right. Uh, and, and seeing the anti-blackness in the Asian community. And as being an Asian, I just couldn't allow that to happen. Like I needed to let the Asian community know those certain individuals, um, how I felt being an Asian and hearing Asians talk about my people, black people that way. Cause it felt like I was being erased completely. It felt like black people were being, you know, talked down to as a monolith, right? And being that bridge, being both black and Asian, I felt like I had to express myself. I had to really, really deep down, unencumbered, tell how I truly felt. And it was very raw and it was very emotional. And I, I posted it on my social media. I reached out to outlets and po- they, Asian outlets that I didn't think would post it, posted it. And what I received was so much more support than I thought I was going to receive, right? It was, it was like 90% support, 10% hate. And I really, I really was just like, I'm just going to express myself and, and say how I truly feel instead of hiding it, right? Cause we're taught to hide how we feel and be polite. And I was like, no, I'm just going to tell how I really, really feel for the first time, basically ever publicly how I feel about this. And all the support that I got validated the feelings that I had before, right? These people understand what I'm going through. Why do you understand what I'm going through? Because you know that the community does that to people like me, right? And, and, why am I, and, and the, also the hate that I received validated like, oh, this is very real. This is very real. And there are people that literally hate me because I'm black in my own Asian community. So it was like, it was freeing really. Like, oh, you do hate me. Oh, but there's this whole contingent of people that is overwhelmingly supporting me. Like I feel this connection with the community that I never felt before, right? And now there's no turning back. And I feel a freedom that is very liberating. And and I feel like, you know, I owe it not just to myself, but to others that are like me, not just Blasians, but mixed Asians and Asians and black people, just humans, right? This is the more that I dive into my, uh, my identity and expressing myself just as a human in all the aspects that I've hidden or felt ashamed about, the more the universe, the more the message becomes universal. The more I get messages of encouragement from people that I never thought that I would, you know, affect or touch or, or make them feel something. Yeah. I mean, so much, so much truth to that being like, I know there's black Asian anti-blackness in the community. You know, we don't want to talk about it. We want to see it. Uh, when we hear it, we're, we do, we want to say something, we don't want to upset our parents or something like that. Um, and it's rough, but I think that's something we do need to keep talking about work towards uh, a new future and, you know, I'm sure like, you know, being a- a Afro-Asian American yourself, like you've seen now both sides, um, you know, having so much discrimination against, it's just terrifying uh, in itself. We, 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 we know where, at least I know 
where the real root of all of it is. So I don't, I'm not, my anger is not really directed towards uh, the Asian community or the black community. Cause I know that the system perpetuates this hate of each other. And that's just facts, right? Like I have compassion for my community. I have compassion for the people in my own community who, who community who feel like they hate me when that hate is not even theirs. The hate was never theirs. It was implanted. It was conditioned into them, you know? And I'm sure if I meet them and I start speaking Chinese and we start sharing our cultural customs with each other, they'll be like, wait, what is going on? This is weird. Like, what? My, My ideological view of the world and you is completely being shifted, you know? Yeah. Um, now, now come, you've started to, you said you've come into this identity, you've really embraced it, um, into its full glory. Now I, I you've heard, we've heard you say, uh, uh, hundred percent black, hundred percent, uh, hundred percent African-American, hundred percent Asian, Blasian, Afro-Asian. Um, you know, what do you find in the power of words and naming the identity for yourself? Um, and what, what does that bring to you? Like you, if I, you know, me, it sounds, it feels like strength, like knowing it, embracing it and believing in it, uh, even putting it out there to the world instead of hiding it, uh, let that, let people assume what they want to assume and just like, yeah, okay. So, but you know, you've definitely come out, um, very prominent in this, in this way. So what, how, what do you find power in doing that? Words are powerful. They're extremely powerful. And there's that saying that you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I just, that's just not true. (laughs) That's just not true, man. Words are so powerful, right? And, and we have to understand that in, in order to talk to ourselves in a way that's empowering to ourselves, right? Because it's not just people saying bad things about us. It's us saying bad things to ourselves. If we really take a step back and examine our inner critic, a lot of that inner critic came from allowing those words that came from outside of us to be internalized without our permission. So for me, I'm very creative in the way that I reframe those narratives that were projected onto me. I, 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 and I see how saying I'm half this and I'm half that and, and internalizing that the wrong way can be detrimental to my understanding of who I am. So I don't say I'm a hundred percent Chinese and a hundred percent African American because I'm like bad at math. You know what I mean? I just say it because I'm, I really truly feel that I'm fully both. And I can't allow myself to think otherwise. So I'm not like, I don't get upset when someone says, oh, you're half Chinese. I don't like go rage against them and then correct them. It's just like, you know, that's not how I say it to myself. You can think that way about me. I might even say I'm half Chinese and half black, but, but my understanding of myself is that I'm 100% both. Right. We're not half or something. You can't divide me in no. one section and be like, no. yeah, that's the Chinese half. <laughs> that's yeah. Um, no way. Like no, my Asian that's... half is not saying something in my brain to my black half. That's not how this works. 
I don't know. I just saw that video of you. Uh, <laughs> on <the> other, <laughs> I was like, so hilarious. We'll link you the show notes, but that was so good. Um, cause you can switch back and forth. And I saw that too. And I saw you did the accent and I was like, they had asked, you know, do you find that racist to do an Asian accent for it? And I yeah. was like, well, once you understand the context, no, not yeah. at all. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting too. Cause here's the thing. Cause it does get complicated. Like a lot of Asians who look traditionally Asian do accents, you know, and they get flack for it. Um, but not to a certain extent, right? Like they're, they're accepted like uncle Roger, you know, I, I don't have any problem with that. That's a part of his heritage. You know what I mean? And, and so when I do it and I get just heinous remarks, you know what I mean? I'm like, why are you saying these heinous remarks to me? Ask yourself that. Because there are plenty of Asians that don't look like me, that look like the stereotypical version of what an Asian is to that person that's attacking me. I just ask them, why are you attacking me? So much harder. You know, that's not a reflection of what I'm doing. That's a reflection of your mind. And so, like, once again, the reframing of things, because people, if you don't understand yourself, you don't understand the world and how it operates, you can allow those people to silence you. I'm not going to be silenced. If I want to do these certain things, I'm going to examine how the world sees me. But first and foremost, I'm going to examine how I see myself in the world. Yeah. And I think there's the, there's the, well, there's this idea from the outside, not from your perspective, is that the perception and the um, presentation is someone could assume certain races and stuff. But we need to get past that to see like, you know, there's more, there are more Asians and more, um, you know, Asians out there who are building on this. When are we going to get past the fact that you, just because you don't look Asian, that you're not Asian. Yeah. And and you don't look a certain way. It's also like examining sort of like what an Asian looks like. I had to, I had to really think about that. When people say I don't look Asian, I'm like, that's just blatantly not true. Like, it's just not true because I literally am Asian. So I look Asian. It's very, very simple. I am Asian. Therefore, I look Asian. It's basic math. It's basic science. You know what I mean? And just because I, you've never seen an Asian that looks like me does not mean that I do not look Asian. Yeah. If someone, if you say, yeah, I'm Asian and Asian and black and they're like, uh, what you're asian or whatever the, at that point it just goes oh you're asian cool yeah like, yeah accept it like oh and, you know what i yeah. wasn't thinking that now i'm changing my mind and that just comes with representation you know what i mean it, it it comes with and that's what i learned too as an artist if you truly want to do something that is i hesitate to say groundbreaking because it's just for me it's just this is who i am so i'm just going to show it Right. For, for, I think a lot of artists, they have to go outside of what the status quo is, but for them, it's, it's, it's the irony is that it's just them being who they always were to begin with. So I feel like that's what I'm doing to a certain extent. It's just, oh, I'm just fully embracing myself. And the more that I do that, the more people are like amazed. But to me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just showing myself. You know, the, the world makes you not want to show your individuality because of the teasing, because of the words that people will say about you, because of what you think might, people might think. 
But once you sort of let go of what people might think and, and the pain that that might cause, understanding that that pain is not yours to begin with, you have no um, reason to inherit something that is not yours, then you just start being free. And you experience what free- freedom and artistry really is. And it can be very isolating at first, but once you get used to that and form the habit of it, that that it just becomes instilled in you. It just becomes a way of your life. And, and I feel like you find um, you find the right community. You start to find the people who are believe in you, who identify with yourself as well. You find uh, other people who are like I get you, and then they they're just with it, and then you all become really um, thick thick community that you're just here for each other now and you're not trying to fake it you're not trying to be one side of the other you're not code switching you're like this is who i am now and this is my people i'm so glad you said that because that is another thing you <clears throat> i really don't i don't feel like i could do this alone but but maybe i could it would just be really 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 hard like i the community that i'm surrounded by for simply just embracing myself and sharing that and in my own you know humorous, you know, way, um, um, it is, is so powerful and so impactful for me and gives me so, so much more support than I would have alone and, and pushes me further into blazing my own path, right? Like that community pushes me even more to be my own self and my own individual, which is so interesting because that's not what community was for me before. Community was like, erase yourself to fit in. And the community that I'm a part of now is put yourself uh, as deep and in yourself, uh, invest in yourself as much as you possibly can. And we will be here for you to pick you up if you fall down, to tell you that you are important and that you are unique and that's fine. Yeah. Like, keep telling me more about you and what makes you yourself. Exactly. And that's what community is to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, moving on to some of your acting career, you know, you've got such a huge personality and you make all the, the content on, on TikTok and Instagram that's just uh, enjoyable. It, it brings up good points. I'm just like, what are we learning today? Um, <laughs> and in such a, in, in, you know, it's enjoyable. It's, it's something that we need to see more of um that also hits on topics that we don't hear about so what uh, what draws you into acting and what draws you into um you know this career path which is crazy career path to just take either way because it's just random um but like you know what draws you into that and 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 can do continually to do it for yourself um without you know full film production it's you and your phone so what you know what gets you to do that Uh, i mean it's this this industry i haven't been doing it for very long I i graduated in 2017 from drama school. And even in just in those four years, it's just been such a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a steep learning curve for sure. And it's very circuitous. And I sort of have shaped an understanding of the industry so far in my four years that there are not going to be, I can't, here's the thing. I can't rely on people outside of myself to give the give me the opportunities that I know that I want. I've been blessed though to be a part of the shows that I've been on. Shonda the Shonda Rhyme show, black creator writing from a black perspective, 
you know, playing a black character on her show. And dear white people, you know, I met Justin Simeon on set and I talked to him and I talked to the writers and I got to be a part of a black set. Blew my mind because theater and, and film had been before up to that point, like everybody's white. Like not anything else, just everyone's white. All the people in power, the writer, everyone's white. So for my first experiences in the industry to be like that, super blessed, right? Like and first experience. <laughs> yeah, my first yeah, experience. Like- <laughs> so, so I think that ha- definitely has shaped me and gave me hope and pushed me forward into understanding like, oh, there's people that look like me that are writing from their perspective and from their heart and, and writing in their own style. <clears throat> incorporating their own sense of humor. And I think that that shaped me into creating my own, my own content from my own perspective about things that I want to talk about. I remember I met Marlon Wayans because I was PAing for Haunted House 2 back in the day before I even went to drama school. And I got an opportunity to meet him and talk to him. And I was like, hey, I want to, I want to be an actor. What do you think? <laughs> and he's like, he like looked at me and he was like, don't do it. And there's a long pause. And then he laughed and he's like, I'm just kidding, man. If you if your heart wants you to do it, do it. But just understand that it's not an easy path. And you have to not just act. You have to write. You have to direct. You have to create your own content. You have to have your own sense of style and humor and grace and incorporate that and start from there. And, you know, it's been several years after that. And I had forgotten bits of that or I had forgotten like the power of that conversation I had with him but talking with you now I'm realizing like oh that actually impacted me a lot because that's exactly what I'm doing now and it definitely took quarantine to really tell me that because I was just waiting for my phone to ring for my manager and my agent who are amazing and I love them and we have a personal relationship which is an unusual I realize for most actors, but I still cannot rely on them to sort of submit me and find the projects that I want to do. I got to go find the projects and meet the people and then be like, Hey, manager, agent, can you get me in the room? And, you know, usually the answer is, you know, yes, because I'm right for the part because I went out and, and found that part for myself, you know? So it's a symbiotic relationship. And you can't put all the onus on them. And they don't want that. That's not how this relationship works, you know? And so, and now even, even so, like I'm creating my own content. I, I'm writing my own, you know, shows and solo shows and, and, and really empowering myself to understand that, oh, this is, this is, I could be, you know, Hassan Minaj, I could be Trevor Noah, I could be Dave Chappelle. These are pathways that have already been blazed. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I can just be myself, you know? And Rami was, was a huge inspiration for me too. Here's a, here's a dude who is Muslim American and he's telling a story about what that means in terms of like, you know, um, uh, sex and, and alcohol and drugs and being so different in terms of like what the norm of the religion that the country you're in and then dealing with sort of the racism that came after 9-11. So I'm like, oh, you can show that on TV now? I'm so used to like being, you know, 
erasing myself just to fit in, like, oh, I could just talk the way that I talk and that's fine. I still don't see the industry sort of, the industry is always playing catch up and that's fine because now I've realized I could just create my own stuff, right? And, and I can change the industry. I don't have to wait for the industry to change. Yeah, facts. And we have to, and it's a lot of work, right? You know, we've having to do it every day, keeping, keeping consistent, uh, finding new ideas, putting them on, uh, doing all the editing, all that kind of things. But I think what you're doing is, you know, the right thing to do. It's like, you can't rely on the managers and agents. They're great, but they can, they have also have other clients that they have to put on. Right. And so, you know, even as writers, uh, writers, we have to, I think it, I think it gets lost that writers need to also build their own career, um, portfolio, doing something other on the side that relates to it, uh, even relates to the project. So if you're not necessarily even building like a short film, but like, what are you doing a part of the community that you're trying to build up? Um, how are you investing yourself and your time into all these different parts? And if you're building, if you want to be a content creator, how are you um, <clears throat> creating content that looks like what you're trying to build? Your your narrative, your your personal brand that keeps um, things going and flowing. So, no, I think it's really important. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break to listen to one of our partners. Do you like to tell stories that make a difference? Are you using your creative abilities to change society through art? Well, if you're a creative in the entertainment industry and you want to make an impact on this world, check out the Young Entertainment Activist. Yeah, or YEA, believes that Hollywood content creates culture. And if we want to change that culture, we need to change the people who make the content. As an activist hub in the entertainment industry, Young Entertainment Activist produces action-oriented events and initiatives to transform both the internal makeup of the industry and our world at large. Their vision is to make social impact a part of every aspect of work and personal routine. You can find the Young Entertainment Activist at youngentertainmentactivist.com and follow their socials at the handle YAImpact. That's Y-E-A, Impact. Make a difference every day. Now, back to my interview. Um, you know, but going on that, like, with, you know, what's been your experience about um, roles being... Uh, like being multi-ethnic, right? And um, code switching insides, being looked at one way or the other. What's been your experience, um, you know, going for auditions? Uh, and have you have you come across any Blasian roles that are actually been right for you? Or, you know? Um, one. <laughs> one ever. Um, and I auditioned for that, got a callback for it. But it was interesting because I don't even know how I I just felt like, you know, in the beginning of any representation of something that hasn't been represented before, like me being a Blasian, I didn't see other Blasians in that, you know, the producers that were there or the casting directors that were there or the director who was, you know, leading me through it. So a part of me is just like, ah. But also part of me is like, oh, this would be amazing to be able to be myself, right? So there is that there is that push and pull, you know? I applaud that for happening, though. And I do think they're doing their best. But it's just a little, I feel a little kind of way when like there's no, not, not any, not, not that there was no Blasian people there. There was no Black people there, too. So I'm just like, I mean, so... 
how what who who is in charge of making sure that this is completely accurate right will i have say in this if i do get this to be like i'm blazing and i would never say something like that you know so so with bringing on that representation comes the responsibility that's what inclusion is right it's not just like, oh, we want to put a Blasian character in here. They're going to pat us on the back for doing that. It's like, who else are you bringing on that's going to be able to tell that narrative accurately and heartfelt from a place uh, of sincere love for, the, for that demographic that you're bringing on? You, and, and you hear stories all the time, like Kim's Convenience, right? The actors talking about that and being like, look, there was no... There was, we didn't feel supported. We didn't feel like there was a community that was looking out for us and making sure that we weren't playing a stereotype or, you know what I mean? It just, it just feels some type of way. But at the end of the day, I understand this industry and sometimes you have to sacrifice that and just do it. And, and so when you talk about mixed race, I auditioned for mixed race things for sure. But a lot of the times... <laughs> A lot of the times it's like very clear that this person is not mixed that wrote this because it's, it's kind of, it, it's just, I can feel it because this is my whole life. This is my whole experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, and, and, and when you do that, when you don't have representation in the writer's room, the producers, the directors, all that stuff, it puts a lot of onus on the actor to them bring it in and then they don't they don't end up having the end the final say so if they say no or no i don't feel like that or that doesn't sound right i'm like what do you who are you to say yeah, right? what i sound like right because and in so, a typical you know, project that's what it is but this is not a typical project right yeah and then not only does it you know put more representation burnout for yourself like you have to hold up all lesions and all mixed race in that in that room if there's no one else but you're also doing two types of work and only being paid for one so they're not paying a consultant to help them and they're not paying you to help them with that writing process so you know are we are we uh being ethical when we're doing that and putting the putting those people in there because at the end of the day what it should have happened was uh uh, representation in the writer's room so that they can really tell the story and the showrunner depending on if your movie or a show to say uh, that they're being able to tell that show authentically and not having and then it and then it trickles down you know you saw that with convenience that when he when uh when he left that became very toxic for him rather than before so yeah i think that's uh it's a huge huge point to bring up yeah too. we 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 see that very blatantly with Adele Lim and Crazy Rich Asians that she was brought in to sort of make the narrative accurate and also to be a key writer, but they paid her one eighth of not just a man, but a white man, you know? And so it's just like, why? <laughs> yeah. And that was after, I don't know what she's doing double the work. Yeah. I don't know what the payment was for the first one, but it was, for after, like after Crazy Rich Asians blew up and became awesome, that then they offered her one eighth. And that's like, after you made a huge successful movie, 
Yeah, that's a good with, point to bring uh, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So you obviously had the backing on this, but yeah, that happened. And then, and then oh, what pisses me off too is that it happened for that week and then it's gone. I didn't hear any resu- yes, resolution. No resolution. She just, she just left. That's why it's like, heartbreaking. Didn't, like fix it. Because I'm like, she walked away. But then what happens to her? Does she get more opportunities after this? Are people going to uplift her? Or is it just like, oh, she walked away. We'll just find another Asian woman to f- fill her place and pay her maybe even less. You know? Or are they going to, are they going to kind of bit a bit, uh, a little bit blacklist her? Cause she's hard yeah. to work with. Yes. Right. Cause she, she didn't want to take the pay. Like, and okay. Who's <laughs> why? And that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> it's rough, right? Because if other Asians stand up for her, they might be blacklisted as well. But if the whole community stands together, can't blacklist the entire community or maybe you can <laughs> <laughs> well maybe they probably would <laughs> they don't have enough of us so they they don't they don't yeah, need us <laughs> right so i but I they get, need this <laughs> i get what's at stake so it's like i don't really blame anybody in that situation did adele lim do what was right she definitely did for her own, her own integrity right and maybe that's better than sort of suffering and understanding that you're getting paid way less than you're worth and and becoming comfortable and used to that. Well, not even for herself, but the whole community in general. If she's going to take a stand, like th- we need more people like that. If we have people who are going to say, no, like that's not right. I'm going to drop out of the project and that's fine. Do it. As much as it might hurt, you're going to, you're going to have to take some stands uh, at some point. I think that's really important. Uh, staying on that topic of crazy rich Asians. When you talk about representation in the mixed community, or as as being being multiracial and auditioning for roles that are designed for multiracial people, I think of Crazy Rich Asians, and I think of um, Henry Golding's character, and how in my mind, and how the system operates, and how the industry operates, and how people see things, especially my own age community. I hate that I know that. Maybe I don't know, but I, I have a fit, very strong uh, inkling that if I was to play that half Asian character that Henry Golding is playing, that that wouldn't be acceptable to a lot, a lot of people in the, in, in the studio would not back the movie if that was the case. You know what I mean? And why is that? And, and also, do I ask myself, how can I change that? Or do I just create my own? Or do I do both? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's the conversation to have too. That's all, all that quote. And um, yeah, I can see that being played off so many different ways in negative lights, whether it's in the community and both sides. And why, if you're an Asian movie, why he doesn't look Asian? I'm like, but yeah, but he is. And that's, you need to get your, your own mind around that. Um <clears throat> and, you know, I think probably the argument would be that, well, they're going to Malaysia, all the whole family, the whole cast would be strange. But at the same time, I think there's a huge opportunity to have like a Malaysian family. Like let's bring the whole, both sides of the family. And <laughs> my thing is like, keep it a secret until you see the family. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like wait, that would what? be. Yeah. <laughs> but your whole family looks, I mean, she's like an, an Asian, Asian girlfriend or something like what <laughs> this this is amazing and that would be the, instead of because the thing is too is i've seen um i'll see i think of uh, when i think of like an asian 
uh, black couple. The only thing I could think of uh, off the top of my head, I think it was Norbert. Um, Norbert. I, I think that I think it was Norbert. Norbert. It was, right. <laughs> Norbert. Right? Yeah, but, Norbert. Nor- yeah, yeah, Norbert. And but it was always it was like a joke, right? <laughs> that movie is very problematic. I watched it. I literally watched it last week for the first oh time. And it is so problematic, man. But it's I couldn't help but laugh. Like it's funny to me. It, it it's funny. But but that's the only that's my thing is that that's the only time I've seen that kind of relationship. And I want to see more, but not it be a joke because what? Like it'd be more like, whoa, that's <laughs> well Norbit was Norbit was like he was adopted. Eddie Murphy's character, Eddie Murphy's black character, like the main character, was adopted by this Chinese man played by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> in the, oh, in those, yes, in the most stereotypical way that you could possibly play an Asian man. Like that movie would, he would be definitely canceled for that movie. Like for sure in this current, current wave. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen it in so long. I just, just it stuck in my head. But yeah, I didn't know your that. Your jaw will and drop. Your jaw will yeah. drop. And you'll be like, <laughs> I don't oh, want Well, okay. Because so now that brings up a whole new topic that I didn't even think about we were going to talk about at all. Is Does that like does that count as yellow face? I mean, yes. <laughs> but I can't even like defend him. Like that is yeah. definitely yellow face blatantly yellow face but you know i don't see that very often it just makes me like huh yeah uh, that definitely wouldn't pass now well yeah hopefully when it i mean it's a tricky it's a tricky thing because like i don't know if you watch dave Chappelle's stand-up where he like does the asian accent right but but what's crazy is like at at the same time that i knew that that was problematic at the same time i'm like when he's talking about like when he was doing that voice and being like why can i do this this is how i feel inside i was like that's me i'm i'm an asian man like i'm a chinese man and people are upset when i like express my chineseness but that's how i feel inside and that's how i was acculturated you know what i mean so it's i just say that because it's just ironic that somebody doing that in some in a problematic fashion made me feel so seen in a way I've never felt before. <laughs> and, and, and that's, and that's cool too. Cause like, I've never heard that perspective and, you know, for people to say, for you to say that it you made you feel seen in, in that way, even if it was uh, well different, it spoke to somebody and that, yeah. that's, it's also know, comedy. You, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's different when it's comedy. I mean, I'd also like to hear, uh other asians perspectives but i also understand that my perspective as an asian is a perspective of an asian so i also happen to be black you know so i don't i i personally didn't find offense in it if i'm being 100 honest i'm like that's a funny joke to me because it's not supposed to be taken seriously it's a joke you know well, and, and when i think that the line crosses when you're making fun of that community yeah and he wasn't right? doing so- that Right. I didn't think he was either. It's more like, this is how I feel. This is the way. And an accent can be okay. But because if you're he doing knew accent... he was doing something problematic. <laughs> he knew that. Well, yeah. It's right? Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well, it was like that, that white dude who went on stage after an Asian guy announced yeah, him. And then he ridiculous. said, but it was just completely racist things. Yeah. Not in making fun of being Asian instead yeah. of 
um yeah like there's just this way and so i, just, I think there it's, it's funny because he's making fun of the person that would say that dave Chappelle. he's making fun of the person that would say that he's not the person saying it and that's why it's funny you know what i mean it's a deeper level of comedy right and 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 people might laugh at it and be like is it okay to laugh at this but they're still dying laughing because because they're they're what Dave Chappelle had done when he constructed the joke was implement that, right? I'm in on this joke with you when we're making fun of this person that does not exist, but it's outside of both of us. That's what we're laughing at, right? That's, that's what makes it different than that actually racist white dude who was, when I listened to that, I was like, I got, I just got so angry because I'm like, you think this is funny and you, and other people in the crowd are laughing. This is the, this is even humor. This is base level racism you know there's no nuance there's no you know levels to it it's just you're racist there's a there's a nonprofit uh uh by a jewish community it's called it started with words right it starts with words you start saying things you dehumanize it gets it gets more and more and you start to think ah, oh, they're not real people you know that's how how it kind of becomes um there's also this other uh great clip i think it was in the 90s or late late 90s um with Sarah Silverman and um, uh, Guy Aoki on the Bill Meyer show. Bill Meyer? I forget. forget. Um, Bill Meyer, yeah. Oh, my email. Um, And uh, Sarah Silverman made this joke on her show. Um, Let's keep doing this. Um, She was giving, she was going, she was sent uh, jury duty. And they're like, I don't want to go jury duty. And her friend was like, well, just say you're a racist, that you don't like black people or something like that. And she's like, no, well, that doesn't sound right. And she, and she goes, okay, I got it. I got it. And she goes at the end. It's like, well, is there any reason why um, you shouldn't be on here? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I forgot what the whole joke was. It's like, but I love chinks. <laughs> she like, said that word though? She said the word. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, and that they allowed to play it on the show. That's I think that's interesting as well. So, but there's but on that was the joke on her show, and then on the uh, Bill Meyer Mayer show, um, they had the debate. Right, so Guy Aoki is huge in the activism world in entertainment, especially back in the day. He's a he's a he's a personality, but he really fought against that. Like, why why is it okay for you to say that at all? Why, why, why can you make that joke? And so definitely a clip and I'll, we'll put a link in the show notes and we'll send it over to you, but it's something to watch. Cause it's, and there's another, um, that's not uh, funny. One from like, that's not it's funny. Not. Yeah. And, and it's like, where's the joke? She's like, oh, but it's a joke. I'm like, where's the joke? Yeah. And you see David it? Spade. Yeah. And you see David Spade on there too. And he's just like, just sitting there quiet. He's just kind of listening. Cause he knows he's the comedian side. He wants that line. He's like, I see both. It's like, ah, it's rough. Um, but like at the same in the day, when you start doing that, saying words and dehumanizing people, uh, in one way, even if you say, I love Jinx, it's like, that's, it, it's going it to give somebody else. It was her in mind. It was her saying it as herself. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Not like some person said this or like, this is what I would have said had I been that person. You know what I mean? She said that as her. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's, it's definitely something to watch. Um, <clears throat> but a- anyway, we'll get back into the other one. Um, what were some of your uh, inspirations growing up? Are there any uh, black and Asians that you were like, oh, wow, and you just want to be more like or, you know, what'd you go with that? Um, 
no, <laughs> there were no, there were no black and Asians growing up. It was just uh, choosing which one I was into at the time. I was very into Jackie Chan, very, very into Jackie Chan as a kid. Um, I think, you know, he was probably him, him and Jet Li were very much a part of my childhood. And of course, like a myriad of black entertainers. Right. But I just didn't see the, the bridge between both until rush hour. Rush hour was my shit, man. Because it was like, here's two, here's the, the funniest man of that era, Chris Tucker. And here is like a living legend, uh, Chinese Kung Fu martial artist, uh, movie star coming together. And it, and, and it's all love. Like the jokes, all love. You know what I mean? It's like how I grew up with some of my Asian friends. Like we go back and forth. And maybe as an outsider, you'd be like, these two people are saying the most heinous things to each other, you know, that aren't politically correct and could be viewed as racist, but like, you could tell like they're really good friends, you know? And to sort of see my reality reflected on screen was very empowering for me, you know? And, and Chris Tucker, like, like not like being, being very, very, uh, embracing of his black culture and not sort of erasing that in the presence of a, a another or, or a Chinese person and vice versa, right? They didn't erase any of themselves. They were fully and completely themselves. And I think also the the production encouraged that, right? So I really do think that even Rush Hour is like, even though it's a comedy, you know, and it's maybe it's not supposed to be taken seriously. Like I definitely took it very seriously as a kid because that was the only representation that I had to see both my communities. Cause it represented what my family was, you know, we joke and we, and, and we clown each other, but it's all love, you know, and we'll be the first to call something out if it's like, okay, you cross the line there, but I love you. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, you don't see enough. And I, I've heard a couple projects come through and like, okay, I'd, I'd love to see, um, more more representation in the writer's room for this project or you know kind of getting it uh, a little off but we need more more parts about it um you know more uh asian american versus asian like jake chan you know he's chinese from china like i want to see more you know the asian american side and what that solidarity is because there's so you know besides the third world liberation movement um your kochiyama malcolm x there's uh there's uh black lawyers for the japanese incarceration who fought against it um you know i want to see more more of that solidarity in history if yeah. you don't see it. And we're not taught it at all in our educational system. And that is, you know, it, it really is um, uh, intentional. It's intentional. And, and a lot of people don't think it is because, like, this is just the system that we're living in. It was founded that way on purpose by a certain group of people and that certain group of people um, made the foundation of this country, right? So if we don't acknowledge that, things are not going to change. We will continue not to learn our own history because the system was set up for us not to. It, the system was set up to lift a certain group of people. And we know who those people are. Don't need to say who those people are, right? And, and, and it's kind of unimportant to really label that. It's just the group that was in power. Right. The group that was in power founded a system 
to proliferate them staying in power and then and and proliferating their image of power right and the longer that we don't acknowledge that the longer we don't change the system and make it diverse in all its beauty and in the way that our country has changed to to really represent our country as it is now yeah and i and i see it the same way like i feel like politics and hollywood are just one and the same right people in power and the gatekeepers they're the ones who get to make the decisions they say no to the ones the projects they don't want because not many people can't have everybody talk to them because they have their managers and agents and their people below them they just say no and just keep everybody out i don't want to hear it they don't want to hear it and so they don't have to say no and i've heard people say um i want to write this project like ah, it makes the government look bad we're not going to do it i'm like oh, it's the responsibility of an artist to make to tell the truth and so you know doing things like that is uh we're gonna as we start to change and see this change we're gonna start to see hollywood reflect more of america's reality in diversity in, in storytelling because <clears throat> i think that's what's i think that's a responsibility of hollywood is to show us what's real instead of uh propaganda of what this is what it is right uh, and what these people are exactly we we sort of judge other countries for the propaganda that they produce <laughs> i think we're all starting to wake up and like really take a critical look at our own media and our own entertainment and be like, oh, wait, we kind of do the same kind of thing, just, you know, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what, uh, as we start to wrap up, what are some other um, movies, TV inspirations that you'd like to uh, shout out that maybe we should watch that, you know, made you feel like that? R- Rush Hours, you know, standard. <laughs> Rush Hours is like <laughs> classic. Yeah. And, and it'll make you see, like you talk about, you're talking about sort of like the, 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 the word, what'd you say? The words first, it started with words. Yeah. It's, yeah it started, it started with, words. with words. When you think about that, you understand how you can get these biases implemented and conditioned into your brain over and over and over again to think of a certain group of people in a certain way that dehumanize, that is a dehumanization of who they are. Right. And I think sort of rush hour is a way of doing the reverse of that. Right. Here's a, here's a funny humorous movie that is about an Asian character who is completely embracing his Asianness and black character is completely embracing his blackness getting along together in a buddy cop film, right? It is completely changing the way that people feel about these people, but it's not hitting them over the head with it. It's not, it's not an educational movie. It's not a, you know, intellectual movie. It's not a preachy movie. It's just like, here's two human beings being human beings, right? And that's why I love it because there was no sort of like, um, Hoorah around the film being like, this is, we got to champion this because it's black and Asian solidarity. It's just like, no, it's just what it is. And people accept it for what it is. So I love that approach, but other, other movies and documentaries that I think that people should watch are definitely 13th by Ava DuVernay and uh, Will Smith's new documentary uh, on Netflix that talks about the 14th amendment and how POC solidarity always existed. They just keep erasing it from history 
We've always loved each other and we've always been there for each other, but they keep on making us have to revamp again and again because they tear us apart from each other on purpose because it's easier to control us, right? Um, but in terms of movies and, and, and TV shows, man, I haven't really been watching because I've just been creating my own stuff because I just, the more and more I dive into who I am, I'm like, oh, like a lot of this does not represent me. And I see, I, I, see, I have a more critical eye when I do watch it, you know? Um, the, and a side note too, is that there's been so many TV shows and movies about black suffering and pain and brutalization. And I just will not subject myself to that anymore. It's not helpful. It's not helpful for me. It's not helpful for my vision of black people and what I want to see for us. Um, but going a, going a completely different route, Warrior. To see, oh my God, to see this dude who's also a mixed race. Uh, um, uh, I think he's half Japanese, half white. Yeah, uh, British. Playing a Chinese like character. Mm-hmm. Um, he beats the shit out of these two white pol- racist policemen in the very first episode, like in the beginning. And I'm like, oh my God, is he going to live? Like, is, he gonna, is, is the next slot, like, scene going to be him being hung? And, it's, and it wasn't. And I'm like, oh my God. So he's just out here beating racist asses and then lives to, to keep on beating them up if he wants to. Like, that's what I want to see. You know what I mean? I want to see Asians standing up for themselves. I want to see people of color standing up for themselves. And I want the story to be triumphant because that's what we need to see. And also, that's the truth of it. Because we wouldn't be here if we didn't do that. But the story is, right, that is constantly perpetuated is that Asians turn the other cheek and they're quiet and they don't fight back, which is just bullshit lies. Because we always have. That's why we've persevered in this country, you know? And the same goes for all other POC, right? So when I think about stories being told, that's the story. Those are the stories that I want to be, uh, that I want to be told and that I want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, what I'd like to see too, is you standing up for yourselves, but standing up for others. I think that's, that's a really huge point. Cause I think a part of that, uh, I mean, that first scene, uh, he was standing up for the person who dropped his food on the ground. Right. I would love to see, um, you know, agents sticking up for something that they didn't have to be involved with instead of being a bystander you know, be involved. Like if someone's getting hurt, be involved, no matter who it is. Um, and that's, and that's, you know, but that's, what's going to come up you new. Know, and as you're, uh, writing, writing your works, we're going to start to see more of that, um, build more stuff like that. Um, and so what's next for Ryan? What else you got going on? What's, uh, what's new? Hey, what, man, what can you share with I'm us? I'm going to just keep creating this content and making people laugh and, at the same time, educating people and, and making them feel seen and see where that takes me. I do have projects that I'm working on, but you'll see them when you see them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and where can people see them? Where can people see and follow you? Uh, my Instagram is Ryan Alex H R Y A N A L E X H. And that's also my TikTok. Got it. Right on. And one last thing. Uh, what's, um, we got a last message or words for, uh, multi-ethnic people, black and Asians, uh, in the entertainment, and what should they be taking away from our conversation today? Man, 
and this also applies to people who aren't mixed, but like especially people who are mixed, embrace all the parts of yourself completely and don't let anyone tell you who you are. Figure that out on your own. And, and, and that also includes your family. That's not saying that you disconnect from your family or you hate your family or you don't talk to your family. Just, you know, especially if you're mixed. And even if you're not, if you, if your mom is one ethnic, uh, background and your father is another, but you're both, you can't expect them to know what you're going through from a personal perspective, right? You have to figure that out on your own. And if that means, you know, finding other people that are like you and reading their stories or, um, you know, diving into, you know, what people have told you and reframing that in an empowering way, flip, flipping the script, as they say, do that, right? But love yourself at all costs. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm also mixed. I'm, I'm half Japanese American and a half or 100% each of, of white. Um, and so, yeah, and, and my parents don't totally get get what i'm going through so what you can know, you say that I, again you're you're i'm i'm uh japanese american yeah and a caucasian oh okay anyway. so like a quarter german quarter just mixed european and then what do know, people say like, to you when they see you and you tell them that uh <laughs> the most the biggest thing well asian i had someone yesterday say like oh are you asian and he gets my mask or whatever but um the only one that was most most people pretty good the most people just assume i'm asian um in some way like you know, what are you um one dude um oh, it was scary time I was, he was definitely looking for the japanese side he's uh -huh. like what's your name like george like what's your last name like takashi <laughs> just like make up some <laughs> japanese names like so what's behind your eyes why do you japs never show emotion like he was definitely looking for that i'm sorry japanese Is he side japanese no he, <laughs> big but white he dude. said that yeah that is oh yeah well he didn't say yeah I, that, okay, okay, but okay. that's that's the feeling that's, you got yeah 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 yeah. But definitely the feeling i got because yeah. he was coming up to my he was big tall mm -hmm, dude mm -hmm. and i had to like look up but i'm yeah. not you know my dad told me don't never throw the first punch because then that's when it's become an assault i was waiting for him to throw something <laughs> and dodge it. and just just like dodge and come back yeah. i'm ready to go i'll take the i'll take the last punch yeah. but like just be like ready to go watch the eyes see where they're going but i had to take that yeah and you know, and my and my Hispanic friend stepped in for me, mm -hmm. right? He stepped in. He he stepped in between us. He's pushing back. I was frozen. I was done. Yeah. I was like, I'm ready to fight, but I you, you my legs shaking to me like, oh yeah. man, this this is gonna be something. Yeah. And I remember that time. Um, wow. That's like the most extreme it's been. Yeah. The most like moderate moderate extreme is like I had a uh, dude at uh, in a production office, and he said. Hey, uh, you're asian you're Filipino. like no i'm japanese japanese american like you're dark for a japanese like, <laughs> why like, do they okay, say man. these things it's just cr i mean i know why they say these things because they just never were educated in understanding or had to understand yeah. who we are yeah and you know he's being curious and, he, and he's like oh this i uh, want to bring up conversation there you know it's a good dude in general right so you're not gonna, you're gonna pass it off and yeah. i'm at work i'm not gonna get all mad so it's just one of those things it's like yeah oh, well, that's 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 the thing that makes us feel like you're looking at me for and and analyzing me and what i am or what i'm not yeah <laughs> and so it's it's you know, it's a constant battle to not internalize that and and there are tactics in which to do that and some of them are like clapping back 
you know, in a, in a way that's like not disrespectful. It's just like, well, sucks that you think that way, you know, <laughs> just, you know, it doesn't have to be mad. It doesn't have to be angry. It's just like, wow, it's unfortunate that you think that way and then go right back to your work. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, what did I do? And I, but if you, if you get upset and you show that to them, now they have a reason to paint that monolith even, even a deeper color, right? To dive even deeper into their, their otherization of these, of, of the people that they see that are different from them, right? It's, it's, I'm all about putting that same energy back on them in a way that's like not disrespectful and, and, and it's totally, you know, has nothing to do with me, right? It's just a reframing of a reframing. It's a switch, switching of the frame. It's a flipping of that script in a, a, a in a way that's non-lethal and non-threatening, right? I don't, that, that, that guilt's not mine. You're trying to put it on me. Boom, it came right back to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would just like ask questions. Like, why do you? What, what made you say that? What 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 do you think? What do you think Japanese look like? But then, but then, <laughs> and so and I, I, I I agree with that tactic. But at the same time, it's like if you have time to do that do that right but like that's right. not your job and, and and you're now you're wasting energy maybe not wasting energy but expending energy on something that is not for your direct benefit especially when you're doing something you're working on your job or you're trying to do something to set yourself forward that's the big now thing. to turn around and to educate this dude it's just like it's not my job yeah, and, I, and i've heard that argument too we'll wrap it up at one point um i do see it's like as much as it's not my job, it's also a part of my responsibility because otherwise it's going to be, this person's not Asian. Yes. This person doesn't know. Yes. This person's not yes. ethnic or whatever yeah. reason. Um, so who else is he going to get it from? He's going to get it from me or some other person who's going to feel the same way. It's not my You're job. You're right. You know so, what? You're absolutely right. For me, it's more priorities. You know what I mean? Priorities. My priority is myself first and foremost. Then my people who are marginalizing the industry that I'm trying to come up in, right? And then it's helping those other people that um, that are working in that same industry that that don't see us as humans and don't even know they don't see us as humans, right? If I have the time, I'll give it to them, and I'll give it to them compassionately, you know. Especially if it's you know well intentioned, but they're saying something that's like very problematic. If I have the time, I'll do it. But my priority is to myself. And to, to the people that I'm in this industry with that are like me, you know? We're going to drop it there. You just <laughs> <laughs> end on that high note, man. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the podcast and, and speaking with me. It was true pleasure. Uh, you're super talented and smart and this whole thing. So it's just a enjoyable you. talk to you. So Ditto. yeah, I hope to see you in LA and we'll, we'll have, Oh, we're definitely meeting, stuff, man. So. <laughs> I mean, it's soon. It's soon. We can like grab a drink soon. Fuck yeah. Uh, with it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to our podcast episode with Ryan Alexander Holmes. Isn't he such a cool person? If you haven't already followed him on Instagram page, do it like right now. It's really a lot of great content. I really enjoy seeing the different perspective that you can be both black and Asian. And that's a really nuanced conversation that only someone like him could have. Anyways, thanks so much, Ryan, for coming back on the podcast. Thank you all to the audience for tuning in. And we're done for the day. Thanks again to our podcast editor, Ravi Lod, podcast producer, Kenna Tanoy, project manager, Sanjay De Silva, social media manager, Allegro Patara, 
Canva designer Dennis Michael Broussard, show notes writer and intern Salia Hussein, and data analyst Sky Nakamura. Stay tuned for next week's interview with writer, director, producer, and singer Sujata Day. Yeah, I believe it's a normal thing. And something that I think about and bring up a lot is that one of my favorite inspiring movies was Bandit Like Beckham. Because when Mm -hmm. I watched it, I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) I was like, I can be an actor and and be the lead. And and it's a writer director that's that's Indian. How cool. But I always bring this up because like afterwards, what happened to the lead? So what happened right. to Parminder Nagra and what happened to Kira Knightley? And I feel like that's a normal thing that happened. Thanks for tuning in to Strong Asian Lead. Have a good week, y'all.